0: Authors Over 50 Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career, and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today is the author of Christmas Stories, seven original short stories. He had his first children's picture book, Me and My Shadow, released in May of 2021. And he has two books coming in 2022, The Book of Souls, A Mystical Ghost Story, and its sequel, The Book of Demons. Think Harry Potter meets The Exorcist. The Book of Souls is his first full-length novel. He considers this a self-help book, based on a true event which just happens to be a paranormal thriller could that description be any more intriguing he had his play conversations from the sports arena performed at the hbo theater in hollywood welcome to authors over 50 kevin moore
1: nice to be here thank you for inviting me
0: we're glad to have you with us and our first question on authors over fifty is always, "What took you so long to write your first book?"
1: You know, you and I were talking a little earlier about going to our class reunion, and I had a really good friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time at my fortieth, was which was a few years ago, and she said, "You always said you wanted to write a novel," um, and I think I always did, but I didn't quite have exactly what I wanted to say until I happened to be over 50. And, um, you know, uh, I had written a couple of short stories. I had done a Christmas book of short stories, but the novel is very, its it was a little daunting because it's, you know, it's a novel. And um, I had a an event happen to me where my son, well, first of all, let me just say, I'm a lucid dreamer. And I have always been a lucid dreamer since I was a kid where sometimes I connect with people that have, are on the other side. Um, and I never realized what it was until much later in life. And I started to take some courses on lucid dreaming. And they would always say, if you, somebody comes, you know, try and remember your dream when you realize that you're in a dream to ask questions. And then I had a dream And it was a recurring dream. It happened like three or four times where these shadows were coming and they were trying to get my son, Matthew, who was in his early 20s. Now, Matthew's had health issues his entire life. And they kept and I kept saying to them, what do you want? And they would say, we want him. And I was like, well, you can't have him. And so about a month after those dreams, he got very sick ended up in ICU and we almost lost him. But while we were in ICU, I was like, oh, this was a sort of like a ringing of a bell, like in my dreams, like you have to be here to fight. And so Matt and I, that's why I say it's like a self-help book because it's about fear. Because when you have a sick child or a sick spouse, your whole life is filled with fear of them getting sick. Right? And then it happened. And so I would sleep with him at in the hospital every night, and my wife would stay with him during the day. And I just felt like him and I were like on the. We knew what what was at stake, and um, and so I had this, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to write this as a short story. And then my wife said, no, I think you need to turn this into a novel. And so of course, fiction came into it then, and I brought into my childhood New York. I live in Los Angeles now for years, um, and that's why it took so long because I felt like I really had to put this on paper. I really had to tell this story. Um, but I also think—I'm sure you feel this way too, right? It's like you things come to you. It's like life. If you if you're not constantly looking, 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 like you just kind of open yourself up to it, things will come. And, and I felt like this came not the way I would have liked it to come, but then sitting down and writing the novel and fa- falling in love with the characters was a, like really a treat for me. Like I used to, I, I'm one of those people that wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I used to just slide downstairs, go in my office and, you know, start working with them. So that's a long way of saying, that's why I waited so long because I felt like I really had, to get it out, to say it, even if it, even if I would have written it and stuck it in the drawer, I felt like I I had to do it.
0: Well, lucid dreaming is a new concept uh, for me. So I'm going to have to look that up after our meeting today and, and, and figure that out. It sounds fascinating. But after you wrote this first children's book, then you have two books Um, that are releasing this year so that's quite an accomplishment in one year
1: so the book of souls which came out on March 8th was I originally wrote I didn't think I I didn't really think I could write a novel I was like I'm I'm not going to be able to fill you know 350 pages 300 pages what have you and so I just jumped in and as you know as a newbie I was like writing some stuff that As you well know, writing you've written two books, right? You have to then you have to start cutting after you put everything down. Um, And I went to this editor, um, uh, this professional editor, editor, Marsha, and um, her and I hit it off. And she read it and she goes, "You really got something here, but it's not one book; it's two books. So now we have to separate them. So the Book of Souls is a story about." Jack Kelly, and so is the Book of Demons. It's the continuation, but they stand on their own, but it's the continuation. So it's the sequel to the Book of Souls. And that comes out on October 11th, right before Halloween.
0: Mm. Well, there and be- right before my
1: daughter gets married.
0: Oh, my. Well, More well,
1: importantly, it's going to be a
0: big celebration month for you. It, yeah. Is there going to be a third in the series?
1: Well, you know, I didn't think so because like, I don't know about you, but I love, like, I loved this, like talking about the book. I loved writing the book, but it's like what I realize is it's, and it's taken me to in my fifties to understand that it's, it's, it's about the journey, not the goal. Mm -hmm. And the goal, I mean, of course I want to sell books. Of course, I want readers to find the book, to find the story because I love the characters, but that part of it is of like looking at numbers and trying to deal with marketing and how do you advertise and stuff like that. That's probably the least amount of fun. Like I like talking to people about it. Like I was so happy when you invited me to this and I've done a few podcasts and um, interviews and that's fun. Um, So I didn't think I was going to write another part of this book, but then my lucid dreaming showed up. And Jack Kelly has showed up in three dreams now. And he's given me a storyline. So I'm I'm writing notes.
0: Always be open.
1: Especially
0: yeah. to those who are talking to you in your dreams.
1: <laughs> True. I like that.
0: Have you ever taken the NaNoWriMo challenge? No. It is National Novel Writing Month. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who take this challenge every November. And I took it for the first time last year in November. And I thought there is no way I can do this because you have to take the challenge that you're going to write 50,000 words in the month of November. Well, that's 1,667 words a day. No matter what else is going on in your life, you're writing 1,667 words a day. And it was quite the challenge because I was... um, And I'm an English major. So I I would write a chapter and edit a chapter and then go back and edit it again. And, you know, it took me forever to write the first book. But in November, I wrote 50,000 words, which is within, you know, 30,000 of having your novel. So it was it was quite fun. And I thought maybe if you had two coming out at the same time, maybe you had taken the NaNoWriMo challenge. (laughs) I didn't.
1: I didn't, I never even heard of it, but I, I like that. It sounds intimidating. It's interesting because you said you're an English major, you know, and that's another thing. Like you said, why have you, wait, why did you wait so long? Well, I've, I've been one of those, I was one of those kids. I always had, I daydreamed, I'd be in school, which is, uh, there's a lot of that in the book because I really did go to that school epiphany. And I really did have that building across the street. Um, Unfortunately, it it wasn't the ghost of Casper Green Street that I was watching, (laughs) but I would, so I always had an active imagination, but I always had trouble with spelling. (laughs) So I always found, you know, now we have all of those things, but, which is why I love thesauruses and dictionaries, because I used to like to sit down and when I would write something, then go, okay, let me look through the thesaurus and let me look through. Mm -hmm. So that was always one of those things too. Like I could tell a story, like I could image a story but to write it and to not have to worry so much about spelling and grammar because there's there's editors yes you know
0: lots of editors
1: (laughs) yeah and it gives you some freedom you know
0: yes well tell us about the publishing journey for you
1: okay so what I after I had written the book I got an editor and then I decided I was gonna happen I had two different editors on on the books because now I had two different books, and so I was like, okay, I want them to both stand on their own. And then I was like, I want to go because years ago I worked for an um, an independent um, film producer when I was in my twenties, um, and uh, so I was I liked stories. I messed around with screenplays, and um, but there's you know what they call the gatekeepers. And, you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, how many people are going to want a new writer that happens to be 60, (laughs) you know, who wants a new old man writer in this, in this age? And so I was talking to an agent and they kept you know telling me okay well maybe we can change this maybe we can change this let's do this let's do that and i just thought i'm not going to sit here for 2 years waiting we don't have to do that anymore
0: yeah.
1: you know you know and so i found book forward and i found book flare and i you know made sure i had really good editors and i was like i i'm going to do this myself because i'm not going to wait You know, and I think that's one of the things when we see, you know, as you get a little older, you're, you see the hourglass and the sand and you're like, okay, how am I going to do my time? My time is going to be, I'm not going to wait for somebody to tell me we need this, but I don't like the title of your book. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to change your, your ghost to being a female. Oh, you know what I mean? Or And I just was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. So I decided to go with Book Flare and Book Forward and myself so I had a lot of choices mm-hmm. and decisions and I could say cuz years ago I had a game show that was being tested and it was called The Blame Game. And I you know you have to sign a contract and we they were testing it over at CBS and places and I had no power, no say and they literally took the energy and what the game was about out and I was like I'm not going to have that done to this book without the traditional I didn't even submit it to a publishing house
0: It's so nice these days to have the options that we have you know yes. that, that never before would would be like that and I felt the same way as you I just thought the clock is ticking and I don't have years to sit around and wait and I'm going to find a partner you know, and, and I found a, a small micro press and, and it's just turned out great.
1: Well, that's great. See, that's what I, and I love that. And I think that's the same thing in the music world now when it's like, you know, and I didn't want people to look, you know, especially in the publishing houses, if they're looking and they're going, okay, he's 60, he's Mm -hmm. old, he's a man, like, how do many books? another one of those? Yeah.
0: How many books can we, you know, expect from him in the future? Yeah. That's what and they're looking for. They're, yeah. <laughs> well, we talked oh, about, you know, that authors uh, don't always like to put themselves out there and to tout their own work. And marketing is, is difficult for a lot of writers. Do, do you have what actually worked for you and what didn't work?
1: As far as marketing, because we we're really just getting started. The, this book just came out on March 8th, so I guess it's been out three weeks today. Um, and we've gotten some good reviews, and I was really happy that I, um, I hired a public relations team that specializes in publishing. And works with a lot of, uh, I won't say a lot of self-publishers, but self-publishers. So they were, like, able to guide me. And um, I just was like, I'm going, you know, full speed. Like, I'm not going to, like, the Christmas stories, that was sort of a fluke for me. Because my brother had passed away in his, this was way back in, in... he was in his 30s. And so was I, I was younger than him. And I was so depressed, and I tried to get myself out of the depression, and I would at lunchtime, because um, I was running an office, i I would sit in my office and eat and write a Christmas story. Hmm. But I when I, I and I actually got on literary agent at that time and they sent to this publishing house, and the guy who read it said, "You know, I really like the stories, but they're very lack And I was like, well, And he was like, you know, and I was like, I'm not writing a a Hallmark. Not that it's a bad thing, but these were, these were real stories. They were, you know, um, and so I put that away for like 20 years. And then I went back, polished it up and just put it out as a self-published book without knowing anything, without doing any advertising, without knowing anything. And, um, This time I was like, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to find somebody to help me. Um, And I'm going to believe in it, you know?
0: Well, your body of work already is quite diverse from Christmas stories in a children's book to ghost stories and plays. How do you dispel the myth that always tells us to write in the same genre?
1: Well, Interestingly enough, um, yeah, I don't know, because I I just think, well, you know, right? Like, I think when we hit a certain age, we know we're not a one note. Our whole life has not been one note. Like I grew up in New York City in the tenements and the projects, right? My mom died, we moved to New Jersey, and within a year, my mother died of breast cancer in the 70s. Our whole life went, blew up, right? I moved out to California. Well, I started paying my own rent when I was 18. A different note. I moved out to California when I was 19 and talked to my girlfriend and said, please, please come to California, you know? And, you know, we're still together from then, you know? Completely different note. Then I had a a child, my first child. I didn't know if I ever wanted children because not that I didn't want them. I just was like, I don't want to mess anybody up. You know, and then I, so I, we had this beautiful boy and he had so many health problems and he just turned 32 last month, but we were told in the delivery room to kiss him goodbye because he wouldn't even make it downstairs mm. another minute. So yeah, I just think life, if you, like you said earlier, right. If you open yourself up to things, you're going to have a lot of different things to say, you know? And then in my 50s, I, you know, my 40s, I got into yoga. And then in my 50s, I got really into yoga, got into Reiki, which is a healing, you know. Um, and being a devout, you know, I grew up very Catholic. Um, so putting all of those things together, completely different life, you know. I mean, like, in the places that I would giggle at myself and I would say, you're going to be a yoga teacher again at 59, you know, like, it's just...
0: And in some very unique places, tell us about where you volunteer your time.
1: Well, I used to, the pandemic ended that, but I was doing yoga on Mondays at um, a place called Hope of the Valley. And it is a, um, for like it's a homeless shelter. They would have lunch on those days and different things. And the man there, Jonathan, wanted to offer, We I went there with my wife and my daughter, we would do some you know we'd serve the lunches and then this guy Jonathan was saying oh yeah you know I'm kind of looking for a yoga teacher and I said well I am actually a yoga teacher and so I started doing that and of course we did more meditation than yoga because a lot of them had a lot of health issues and it didn't last that long because I I did it for about 9 months and then the pandemic started and everything ended and it was the same thing with the reiki like we were doing uh, we used to do a healing group every Monday night, and then we were going to work at this place for young people who had um, uh, psychological issues and drug rehabilitation issues. They were getting ready to hire me. The pandemic started, so that flipped that entire that thing. And then I started to write, you know, concentrate on writing the book during the pandemic and getting it ready for. Showtime you know, or primetime.
0: Kevin, you're a very busy person. Do you even have time to read for pleasure?
1: You know, I sort of now listen, like my wife is in a book club. And so she will recommend a book to me and I will read. But I, I do a lot of podcasting. And I would say the last book I read was... Um, Something from her book club, and I'm trying to remember that. the last thing he said to me. Yeah, I think what is what it was called. You know the book, La-
0: Laura Dave.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was, and I listened to. It. So, and that's always been the thing: is it cheating if you're listening to audio, or is it this, is it reading? And I think it's reading. You know, you somebody's reading it to you. It's like when you first fell in love with books when you were a kid, and somebody was reading you a picture book, right? That's that was reading. I mean, you may not have been reading it yourself, but you are listening to a story.
0: It's very soothing. And I listen to only audio books now. And I ride my bike every day, because that's the only time I have to devour books like I used to in print. Now they're audio books, but it sounds like the person is Telling you their story, you know, you're hearing it in in a narrator's voice that sounds like the protagonist in the novel. So it's actually very nice. But what I have found is I don't retain as much when somebody reads to me as when I uh, read, you know, in print. So I'll forget, you know, the characters or have to be reminded in my book club what actually happened. I enjoy the experience, but I don't retain as much. <laughs>
1: yeah no i'm with you on that i I, w- I would agree with that and plus because i think sometimes when you're reading a book you can also have a pencil and you might circle something or out underline it mm-hmm. and you can't do that with audio but i do find like i used to love to read before i went to sleep rather than watch tv mm-hmm. and now i find that it puts me to sleep no matter how good the book is yeah. so uh, well,
0: did you um bring one of your books with you that you could read a passage from to let our listeners hear your work and tone of the book.
1: Absolutely. I did. I saw your notes to me, so I appreciate it because I probably maybe would not have. <clears throat> All right. So
0: can set it up. Tell us what's going on.
1: Okay. So this is a part in the book where, um, so the premise of the book is Jack Kelly. Um, when, when you first are introduced to him, you're, you meet him in his mid forties and he has three children and one of them gets very sick. And he ends up in the hospital and the, sh- the shadow people appear in his son, Stevie's room. And so he's trying to keep them, he's trying to keep Stevie alive and he's trying to keep them from getting to him. And what happens is, He, he thinks he's protecting Stevie and Stevie tells him, you know, it's not fair. You have to decide if you're going to be with us or if you're going to be with grandpa. And he's like, what are you talking about? Grandpa died a long time ago. And then he wakes up and he's in intensive care himself as a 13 year, as his 13 year old boy, when he fell through uh, a boarding house floor and he wakes up and they First of all, they didn't think he was gonna live. Then they don't think he's gonna walk. And he can't get his his wife, Catherine, his love of his life and his three children out of his head. And the doctors get a psychiatrist and a neurologist and they're all saying, no, this is because of your brain injury. You've never been married, you're only 13. So he starts to, even though he knows that That it was real. That's where the Book of Souls, the name comes from, because he writes their name down in the Book of Souls because he's like, well, if that never happened, they happened to me because they're the ones that kept me alive. Mm -hmm. So he gets back into his 13 year old life with his father, and he does not have a mother, and he's in Catholic school, and he starts watching this man across the street who he doesn't realize it immediately, but is a ghost. And his name is Casper Greenstreet. And so this is when he actually really meets Casper Greenstreet. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he says, The man I saw earlier at the Michael's Crypt suddenly stands a few feet from me. It is as if the crows have delivered him to me or me to him. My instinct is to run. I am dealing with myths, a hoax, a superstition. But what do you call it when you see it? Meet it, a spirit a ghost that is alive and dead at the same time. My body and soul are not pleased. It is like getting hit with the coldest and hottest day of the year within seconds of each other. Like the happiest emotion you may ever experience within a moment of your worst. I am frozen, but in some bizarre way, I expect him to introduce himself. You've been looking for me. Well, here I am. Casper Green Street is the man I've been watching from my classroom. But he looks much different up close. His complexion is ash. His wrists reveal his exit wounds and blood appears to seep from them like a slow dripping faucet. What I feel is not fear. It is greater than that. None of the dead come back, but some stay.
0: Very nice. That makes us all wanna run out and get that book. Tell us where people can find your work.
1: Well, the book is everywhere online. Um, it's in a couple of local bookstores. I'm in Barnes and Noble uh, at the Grove in LA. Um, I'm at the Ridge bookstore, but of course it's on Amazon. It's You can get it on Barnes and Noble. You could get it at BookBub. Um, anywhere possibly online, you, you can get it. I, I think probably Amazon's the easiest, but we've made it available to... All the small bookstores, so you can go into um, your local bookstore and they can just order it right through um, Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, we wanted to make it available to every reader and not somebody who just feels like it's their only outlet with the you know Amazon. and it's also on audio.
0: Who is your narrator? Did you narrate the book?
1: <clears throat> I did not. I just didn't think. You know, somebody said to me, why, yo, you should narrate it. And I was like, you, I I don't know, did you narrate yours? No. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard. I don't like
0: this Southern accent coming out in mine. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love you, Southern accent. Thank
1: you. Yeah, you know, I just felt like I, I wanted somebody who's done it. And then when we were auditioning, we were like shocked because, and that was like the beauty of having like, a book forward because they, they orchestrated it all. They put it out there on um, ACX and um, we had like, I want to say like 101 people auditions. And then we found this one man actor and he had this great booming voice that was, you know, uh, and we were ready to pull the plug with him. And then, and they said, don't listen to any more because we've already listened to seventy nine, and you know we've got this guy and he's great, and blah 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 blah. And so I saw three more came in, three more auditions, and I was like, yeah, I think I'll just listen to these three, and then I'll be done. And then the guy Luke Welland, um, I felt like he had Jack's voice as a chief, as a thirteen year old, where the other guy had the voice that could, you know, maybe do like the narrative part, but the story is mainly told from Jack Kelly as a 13 year old who wakes up and he's hearing ghosts and he's seeing demons and he can, he's hearing people's thoughts and, and I just was like, okay, well, this, this kid is in Catholic school. How would this voice sound describing the nun in his classroom at 13, as opposed to the guy we eventually went with? because his voice seemed perfect for Jack at 13. So it was really hard because they were both so very different.
0: It's it's Um, very fun to choose your narrator and to hear them read your words for the first time. And, and, and especially, um, I needed a female who had a Southern accent, but I, I didn't want it to be syrupy Southern accent. And when you, you know, ask for a southern speaker. Sometimes you get some gosh awful accents.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's fun and it's hard though, right? Because then when you pull the plug, you go, "Oh, okay. I hope I had the right voice." Because somebody is going to be listening to that book for eleven hours, and yeah. they have to like the voice. True. No matter what the words are saying, if they don't connect with the the audio, so yeah, it was it was fun and difficult and exciting and
0: Mm -hmm. well Kevin our writers over 50 are such a unique set as you well know do you have any advice for authors over 50 who might be writing their first book
1: um I, I would say advice because I feel like, I would say what my experience is and what you and I were talking about. If you have a story or if even if it's nonfiction and you want to, now's the time, don't wait anymore. And you don't have to wait. It's not like the old days where you had these gatekeepers and you had to know somebody who knew somebody who could get your manuscript in and, or you had to get an agent before they would even entertain the idea. The world is so open to us, and sit down and write, but make sure you're writing because uh, you really want to. Because it it's not about how many sales you're going to have. It really is about the process, especially I think after 50, because you know we're we're in winter, and you know you want to make sure that what you're doing is you're doing it out of out of love i think
0: and that's why i call it life's sweetest third i think we still have a lot of sweetness left and uh, we're proving it every day as i celebrate all of you writers who are just happen to be over 50 so thank you so much for being with us today we are pleased to have you as one of our authors over 50 and we wish, wish you much success in the future
1: thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and a lot of fun and this is the part i enjoy the most
0: thank you for joining us today please look for authors over 50 every thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50 please subscribe and share with a friend And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www.juliadaily, that's D-A-I-L-Y, like dailynewspaper.com. Until next time, keep reading and writing. And remember, it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third.